Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys bring us a Flying Squirrel segment and a comparison of Keyforge and Warhammer Age of Sigmar champions. What is this? And they talk about lawnmowers? Boy, this show really is hurting for content. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode number 151. We're coming back after Gen Con. Kind of a letdown now, but that's all right. I'm Tony. Wow. <laughs> uh, that really makes people want to listen, don't they? This is Marty, by the way. Uh, come on, man. I mean... We just we we've just survived Gen Con. We've got a week back, and we're back recording after. Our, I'm I'm out of my element. I, I need to be up at one a.m. to record and show enthusiasm. I mean, let's face facts. We got into a rhythm, and now and now we're back to our rut. Well, I I can't argue with that. Yes, yes, we do have a nice little rhythm each night, sitting down and, and recording uh, that episode. But now we're back into our home studios. Uh, we've got a, a lot of content that we want to cover over the next few months, so you should be excited. All the things that we got to experience and and bring back from Gen Con, we now get to check out and play. We got all this stuff we need to cover, and, and I look at that, and it's like, how am I going to get to it? Some people would not see that as a problem. I know, but and then some I people do would embrace stupid. that. I know I shouldn't embrace it, but then I do something stupid. I can't believe I did it. What? I bought a game. What was I thinking? I was wondering what you were thinking. So we're going to be talking about the game Villainous later on. Yes, we are, because I was stupid. Tony's like, yeah, uh, have you heard much about this game? I went, yeah, it seems to be getting good reviews. He went, sweet, uh, I'm going to go Target and pick it up. Here, here we are. We, we pick up some games from Gen Con. We want to try them out. And, and our, you know how tight our schedule is as far as you and I being able to get together to play. And, and you go out and throw another game on top of the list. What can I say? I'm stupid. All right. I, I wasn't thinking. It was 10% off. There was a Gen Con. Type in Gen Con code. And guess what? You're going to get you get 10% off. I'm like, I cannot pass this up. Because you know, at Gen Con, that booth was constantly packed. Ravensburg was constantly packed with the wonderful game. And, and I just, I did. And then that enabler from Canada says, I like it. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, talking about Nathan Fillion? No, the other enabler. Justin Bieber? Yeah, that one. Yeah, Rodney. Okay. Yeah, you know. You, oh, him. Him. Yeah, I sent him. I was like, I, I watched your video. did a good video. Yeah, I like that game. I'm thinking about picking it up. Yeah, I think you should. Okay, fine. And then you did. I was, oh. Oh, and then, and then it immediately shot to the top of the list, and that's why we're going to be talking about it later on in the episode. Well, we needed, it was so hot there. But then again, I mean, between you dropping, hey, look, there's a booster box on sale at eBay, and it's 10% off and free shipping. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, Touche. I'll give you that. You saw a 10% off coupon at Target, and I had a 15% off anything coupon on eBay, and I went, hey, Tony, uh, here's a booster box. It's like uh, Age of Sigmar, it? Age of Sigmar Champions. It was like in the low 70s. It seemed like it'd be a pretty good deal, plus 15% off and free shipping. Oh, by the way, it came in the mail today. So you and I now need to hook up. We basically have not one, but two booster boxes you and I 
need to sit through, open, and sort, just like the old days. And when am I going to get to do this? I got pack. I got to get ready for my big trip. Okay, well, we'll have to find some time, do it along with all the other games that we got to get together and play and talk about, too. Okay, so this is going to jump right into our sweet spot. Now, when I walk, the first thing when I walk into my house, when, when you and I get back from Gen Con, which our flight was not delayed, and we had a good flight coming in, except we sat on the tarmac for 30 <laughs> minutes. It was almost too good. We got in like 30 minutes early, and we were like, sweet. Nice. Except we just sat on the runway for 30 minutes waiting for a gate to open up. Yeah. Uh, folks, I'm sorry to inform you that there's a traffic jam at the airport. They're planes. Move them. I'm, I appreciate them being safe. You know, and making sure we made it to our gate safely. And I mean, but it was, we sat there. It was like we were sitting on 485 in Charlotte, North Carolina in that traffic jam. But we were at the airport waiting for the planes to move in and out. Yeah, we're back to normal. I'm grumpy. Wow. You ain't kidding, man. It, Grumpy Tony is back. So wait a minute, you, you said that that brought up a sweet spot. Oh, I, oh, I, I, and then you went off on this this squirrel moment oh, over here. I can't help it. So I walk in the door and my family, hey, I'm home, I'm home. Buy a mower. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, no like a welcome home, Dad. Wait a minute. It's, wait a minute. I remember right when we pulled up to your driveway, you said, oh, sweet, the yard's been mowed. Yes, the mo- yard was mowed. They went out and pushed our yard, and you finally saw the house, so you know that you only saw a third of the yard, and they pushed the mower, and my daughter and wife both said, you are buying a mower, or we will never help you mow again. And I went, okay. It's a good exercise. Yeah, good exercise. Yeah, just two and a half hours of mowing. Um, And I was like, all right, I'll take care of you. So I did it. I took the plunge. See, once again, you're an enabler because... You went and bought a new mower. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. Back up way to earlier this year when you were talking about lawnmower podcasts. Why didn't you buy one then when you were doing all this research? What's What do you know most about me? Oh, you have... Um, buyer's remorse. Buyer's remorse. I couldn't think of the term. You got buyer's remorse big time. You have buyer's remorse before you spend the money. I do, because I think something better is going to come along. And therefore, I don't pull the trigger and buy something, unless it's for a new board game at target for 10% off. But anyway, all right. But so then you go out and you buy a new mower. Well, I really had no choice because of several weeks ago, I pulled my mower out, uh, ready to mow the yard, cranked it up. And this 14 year old mower started moving along kind of slowly. It's like clunk, 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 tunk, and then just stopped. And I thought, that can't be good. So I got off and, and, and went around. I thought maybe something had hung up underneath the blades. I checked below the deck. Nothing there. Opened up the oil. White smoke started coming out. And I went, that's never good. Mm-mm. Opened up the uh, the air filter container. White smoke coming out of there. That's never good. So I immediately, while I'm standing there, call a local uh, small engine repair shop, which is right near me. I tell them the symptoms. And they went, white smoke? That's never good. Jeez, <laughs> thanks. So I had to have somebody come pick it up because I didn't have a truck big enough to, to haul this thing. And then come to find it was a backlog. It took them like a week before they could even diagnose the problem. Called me back and I said, uh, yeah, you basically, uh, a block was split right down the middle. Well, great. So, so what's my options to repair it? <laughs> well, you can buy a new block for $1,100, $1,200. Okay. Or you could buy a brand new engine for fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, and I said, well, uh, if I was to get another zero turn radius more, 
what would you do if you owned it? And he said, if this was my mower, and I, he said, you've had it for 14 years and over 200 hours on it, which is about the point where they start breaking down. He said, how's your transmission? I said, it's been fine so far. He said, well, that would be the next thing to go. And that's probably a $1,500 repair. So he said, personally, I would probably just buy a new mower. So he was the enabler for you. The guy, guy gave me advice and said, you know what? You, you're probably, you can risk it. But he said, just know in three or four years, if your transmission goes out, you're going to be spending another 1500. So you might as well spend three grand and just go ahead and buy a new mower. And you did, you went out, bought a new mower. Oh, reluctantly. I did not want to do that. No, I did not want to go in there and spend three grand. I didn't have three grand just lying around for a brand new mower. Well, of course you didn't. But then again, you also, I mean, think about it. three grand as I drive down the street can buy me a used car in some places. Well, then I had buyer's remorse afterwards for when I talked to Vanessa and she said, how much was it? And I told her and she said, oh, wow. I said, yeah, I, said, I guess I could have got a lawn tractor for like $1,800. And she kind of looked at me. It's like, why didn't you just buy a regular lawn tractor for $1,800? Then I had buyer's remorse. I went, crap, I probably should have just got a regular lawn tractor. Well, okay. So I've, I've been, of course, testing them all out, sitting on them and all. A lawn tractor, have you ever, I mean, I'm sure you've sat on one, haven't you? Oh, uh, yeah. I just, I don't like where the steering wheel is. It's like I could steer it with my knees or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just right there in your lap. I agree. So the next week I get on and I'm going, I'm going, fine. I'll, I've decided I'm going with the Troy Built Flex system. <clears throat> I know Lowe's has got it on, it's on clearance. You can't get them in store, but a buddy down the road, he bought one. And he said, just call them, call up Troy Belt and tell them you want to buy their flex system. Don't order it online, but you have to call them. I said, why is that? He says, because every part will get, you'll get you a hundred dollars off. I said, say what? He says, that's right. Call them and you can get a hundred dollars off on every piece you want to add with this flex system. So I called her up. Sure enough, she's like, you can have $100 off on the mower base. You can have $100 off on the aerator. You can have $100 off on the uh, leaf blower that you can attach. You can have $100 off on the um, pressure washer. And oh, by the way, if you order the dethatcher, it costs $99. It's free. I'm like, really? And she goes, yep. I said, sign me up. It'll be 10 to 12 weeks of delivery. I said, okay, I'm ready for this thing to get here. So I've been reading up. Hopefully it'll get here before I go out of town. And if not, Rebecca's got to lift it off the truck. Then that'll be a challenge. What's a flex system? The flex system, It okay, go back and listen to the um, previous episodes. But basically a flex system has a power unit base where it has the motor, the Briggs and Stratton engine on it. Okay. And then you just attach parts to the front of it and it has a drive shaft that connects. So think of it like um, a, a robot where he hooks into an arm. So do you sit on it? No, it's it's a walk behind self-propelled. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can. I see what you're saying. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. Yep, I got all these tools. And then Donna looks at me and goes, I understand why you got it because I told you to, but what are you going to do with all that stuff? Yeah, I was going to say, where are you going to store it now? One challenge at a time. Is that another podcast? Is that like where to store your lawnmower podcast? Somebody doing an episode on that? It goes to where we were talking about our Gen Con episode was how to pack. So now I got to figure out how to pack all the lawnmower crap into my garage without taking up space. So I got to figure all that out. Probably build some shelves or something. I don't know. I'm not really worried about it. But you know what? What? I'm tired of talking about lawnmowers because 
Oh, and people are sick of hearing about it. I know they are. Almost guaranteed. It's like, so far, this entire this entire episode so far has been skip 30 seconds, skip 30 seconds, skip 30 seconds, oh, still lawnmower, skip 30 seconds, Troy Belt, skip 30 segment, flex, skip 30 seconds. You know, if they put it on two and a half speed, they'd already be done with it. But you know what I did forget to do? What did you forget to do? You know, this is episode number 151, Two Steps Behind by Def Leppard. It is. I forgot Two to Steps say that. Behind. Mm-hmm. Two Steps Behind. And you know what? I can't picture that song in my head. It was one of their later ones. And I was listening to it. And what was unique about it was released in 1993. Oh, yeah. I I didn't even realize they had an album after um, Hysteria. Yes. That was their last, I guess, their last big album. And I guess one came out, but it didn't really take off. So I guess that's why I missed it. Yeah. So, and I tied 1993, you know, I always tie this stuff together, to the initial release of Magic the Gathering. Uh Uh-huh. Which is another part of our segment where we're going to talk about Keith Forge and Richard Garfield. Yes. Tying it all together here. And two steps behind, if you listen to the words, they talk about magic. So I'm just telling you, I tied it all together somehow. Don't ask me how I, I just thought, did it. I thought two steps behind was the fact that, you know, you're like behind your lawnmower and you're like a couple steps behind it. That would work too. I like that. And we were two steps behind and jumping on the magic train too. So either way, it all works together. And do we not still to this day... Thank our lucky stars that we missed the magic train because probably neither you I would be married and would be living in some shack somewhere sitting on stacks of magic magic cards that we wish we had sold many years ago. Yeah, you're an enabler, you. Well, see, in 93, uh, let's see now. I was all... Oh, you had been married. I had you been just married. gotten married. Mm-hmm, and you would have been too. Yes. Okay, so... We would no longer be married. There you go. Because of all the magic cards that we had. Oh yeah, that would that would have been bad because it would have sucked us in and it would have sucked us in hard. I still don't know how we missed it. Baseball cards. Was there not a big magic but was there not a big magic community around here? No, there wasn't. Maybe that's it because it would have seemed that in the, in the ball card shops that we frequented a lot that they would have like had like a box of those sitting somewhere because it would have fit perfect in there as like a collectible item. Right, but I don't remember it if them being there. You know, I just remember the baseball cards and none of no, they didn't have any of that. I don't even know where you, we would have gotten it in Charlotte at that time. A little side note, I do want to say, just speaking of magic, if if nobody if nobody has, that's that's really horrible English. If you, the person listening, or you, Tony, have never seen a YouTube show called Spell Slingers that's on uh, Geek and Sundry, which is a little uh, like twenty minute magic sh- ma- magic show, Magic the Gathering show, where a guy named Sean Plot, or he's otherwise known as Day Nine, he's a he was a professional esports guy, he's really into the the card games and video games and stuff, host a show where guests come on and they play magic. It sounds super boring, but it is one of the most entertaining shows on gaming that I've ever seen because number one, the host is very endearing. It's edited extremely well. It's not one of those things that sometimes when you watch, you know, uh, people play board games, they tell you, they talk about the game. And if you don't know anything about the game, you're totally lost. Uh, you know, they do a great job is when they, they mention us something, they'll put like a little lower third explaining what they're talking about and everything. It's just a really well done show. And they just had finished up their fourth season of Spell Slingers. And I highly, highly recommend going to watch it. It's a great show. Even if you don't like magic, uh, it's it's a fun show to watch. I've, I think I've seen it maybe once or twice. But once again, since I'm really not into the magic, I I understand what you're saying. It's something good to watch. 
but I just, I just can't bring myself to it. You know, I still got to get through my DVR of blue bloods. Yeah. Can we, can we, oh my Lord. Uh, <laughs> one, like there's, there's some good shows to watch. Like there's one where Felicia days on Alec Tudyk's on a uh, grant. Is it Imanara from, um, Mythbusters? Oh yeah. 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 I know who you're talking about. What's cool is when you have actual people who play a lot of magic on there. He, he was one of the early seasons, but that was very entertaining. It's just, Mm, such a good show. And there's only six episodes per season. They just wrapped it up. So anyway, talking about magic made me think of that. Now it does. After I finished watching one of those episodes, it kind of makes me want to go play. In fact, I want to kind of go get a commander deck till I went out to miniature market today and saw that the new commander decks first are all sold out except for red and they're 40 bucks a piece. And unfortunately that was all lost on me about commander decks and all that. You've got a game to play. No, no, no. It was, it was to play with Travis and um, Adam. We were just talking about, hey, it'd be fun just to sit around and play a, a game of Magic with just each of us. We, I, I wouldn't collect or anything. A Commander deck is a, is a type of Magic where you have 100 cards and all of them are totally different. Okay. But it's it's just a style of, of game that's popular. But they say it's very fun multiplayer. So each of us were thinking about, let's go buy a Commander deck and just play each other. But when I saw it was 40 bucks and the fact that it's sold out and it just came out. That's what's interesting too. It just was released and it's already sold out at Miniature Market. And I think you're going to be talking about this whole phenomenon in our upcoming Flying Squirrels about what's leading what in sales and things like that. Or at least I hope you are because I'm looking at my show notes. <laughs> and it says that you're going to talk about this in the Flying Squirrel segment. Yeah, yes, I will. And with what I just said, you would think, hmm, collectible card games must be doing well. But we'll just wait and see what the, uh, what the numbers say. Well, I'm tired of waiting. Can we get to the flying squirrels? We haven't done one of these in a while, have we? Uh, no, I don't even know how to do them anymore. What do we do? <laughs> Let me go read the rules real quick and uh, we'll be right back with the flying squirrels. It's time for flying squirrels. Two minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. It's time for another Flying Squirrels where Tony and I talk about any subject or topic that we want to for just two minutes. And after we're done, you're going to hear this sound indicating it's time to go to the next topic. And Tony, are you ready to begin? Yes. Now that I know the rules and how long I have to talk and it can be on anything, well, that helps me out in getting my notes prepared because, Lord, if it had been game related, I'd have been screwed. <laughs> I, I hope two minutes isn't on lawnmowers because I think we've pretty much already exhausted that subject. Hold on. Wait. Scratch, 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 scratch. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Great. Now you have one less flying squirrel to talk about. Yeah, I guess I guess you're going to have more than me. So how, how about you go first and I'll pancake in the middle. <laughs> That's fair. Talking about the uh, topic that uh, we just mentioned about magic. It was just released on ICV2. The hobby games topped 1.5 billion in sales in 2017. And was that with a B, Marty? Was that a B as in billion? A billion. God. Billion, which is an 8% growth over the, the previous year. So board games are really doing well. But what I want to do is break down the individual uh, sections underneath board games. For, for example, we talked about Magic. It sold out when I just talked about the uh, Commander series, but yet the collectible games category shrank 3% which I thought was interesting. So is magic starting to lose a little bit? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's at Pokemon, Oogioh. Just thought that was interesting. Now, what I thought was really interesting and makes sense is non-collectible miniatures had the fastest growth rate of any subgenre within the hobby, up 
32%. And Tony, you probably know what that's attributed to, don't you? Could it be something like CMON or Games Workshop or any of those big... Here, here's the top five from the uh, spring. Warhammer 40K, D&D Miniature... Uh, Marvelous Minis, War Machine, Star Wars Legion, Age of Sigmar. Two of those are Games Workshop who are just busting it. Star Wars Legion just came out. So there's a surgence, a resurgence in miniature games. Mm-hmm. And the other big uh, genre, Tony, what do you think has the next highest growth? This is a gimme. It's a board games. Nope. Dang. Well, what is it? Think about our good buddy Joe that we had on last episode. Oh, Joe. It wouldn't be uh, RPGs, would it? It would be. Even though it's the smallest category, it was up 22% from the previous year. D&D RPGs are killing it. So are miniatures. But the collectible has shrunk a little bit. So to me, I just thought it was interesting. Overall, there's some growth, but there's not growth in every individual genre. Well, that's interesting, Marty, that you bring that to my attention, that RPGs and collectibles are up. Because... On my way to the grocery store, I was driving through Belmont, North Carolina, and I'm just, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. I took a different route because traffic was pretty bad. I know on a Saturday in Belmont, you wouldn't think it would be that bad, but it was horrible. So I made a left turn to cut through some back way and through the main street of Belmont, where it's got a cute bunch of little small little stores, got an antique store over there. It's got a very nice barbecue restaurant. Mm, good barbecue at that place. But all of a sudden, I'm driving along, and I see this, you know, sandwich bulletin board out on the sidewalk. And it says, Doc's Basement Comics. I said, whoa, let's stop. Whoa, Whoa, let's stop over here in the parallel parking and back this car up. I go in there, and I'm talking to Doc. And Doc is like, hey, welcome to Doc's. Doc's in the house. Ha, 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 ha. I got it, buddy. I understand. I didn't know you had been here. How long have you been in business? Oh, less than a year. I'm like, wow, I'm looking Mm. around his store. He's got comic books. I'm like, this is bad. This is real bad. (laughs) Did you make a pull list? I did not make a pull list, which is why I'm on this topic on flying squirrels. What should be on my pull list? Now, keep in mind. Great question. I want to hear this too. Yeah. So I'm asking everyone who's listening, a member of our guild, whatever, tweet, Instagram, whatever. I would love to know what my pull list is. Now, I would love to put Spider-Man on there, but it has been so long since I read Spider-Man. So I don't know if he should be on my pull list. I'm a Marvel kind of guy, but is there some decent storylines? Who's the big artist? Who's the big writers? I don't know. I am clueless, but I do know I like to support my local businesses and Doc has a store. Now, poor Doc, he had never heard about board games. I went, what? And he was like, yeah, we don't get that in here. I'm like, that may change here in the future at Doc's Comics in the Basement. Yeah, I want to hear about this too. You can also just email us at names at gmail.com. Let us know what comics Tony and I should be reading because I may get in on this too. Right before we got to Gen Con, it was announced rather surprisingly that Christian Peterson departs as CEO of Asmodee North. Now, Tony, you probably know Christian Peterson started Fantasy Flight Games, right? Yes, yes, yes. Very. I'm actually in the clue there. I know that. Yeah, a designer of, you know, Twilight Imperium. Yes. And, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, some of the most popular games that basically started that company. And then he's been with them ever since. So the guy's only like 45, 46 years old and is now retiring. Now, there was no reason, uh, you know, speculation abound. It's like, oh, you know, there was a problem. He was asked to leave. The new company who bought Asthma Day didn't want him in there, blah, blah, blah. We, we don't know. But the fact is he's stepping down. And... <sighs> It's kind of, and I, I didn't get emotional or anything, but it was kind of a, a sad thing, Tony, because I, 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 
things probably like this don't bother you, but well, like, like on a show that you've been watching for a long time, say, say True Bloods, when it finally ends, do you have that point of like, oh, I'm kind of sad it's over? Yeah, you do. You kind of like oh, that era is gone. Yeah, well, so that so I'm the same way. So it was like you know, there's, I'm kind of a letdown to, to see him go. It's like the end of an era because we've played so many Fantasy Flight games. And to be honest with you, Tony, when we went to the Fantasy Flight in-flight report, he used to always lead those. Yes, I thought for sure. He would have been there for the very last one, and he wasn't. Now, maybe he decided he didn't want to because he didn't. Maybe didn't want to make it a big deal. He, he probably maybe said, "I don't want to make this about you know myself." Because if he would have come out, more likely he would have got a standing ovation. So, anyway, I don't know the reasons behind it. It's kind of sad to see him go. You know, one time he made some great games. I would actually, I bet he doesn't disappear. I bet he's going to come back in some shape or form somewhere within the hobby. Don't you think? I think so. I just wish him luck, and I hope he has good medical insurance. With Christian leaving, I would like to raise a glass to him and toast the man and say, good luck, farewell. Hope you find something else to do in the board gaming. There it is. There's toast. With an RDTN mason jar, which you can still get at podpledge.com slash RDTN. Hey, we don't need a commercial during my two minutes. Okay, big boy. Mm. So anyway, the reason Sorry. why I bring this up and in my two minutes of a flying squirrel is just recently we met over at the Draft Mechanic Meetup when they're celebrating celebrating the end of Gen Con. They said, come and see all the games we got at Gen Con. And they invited everybody. And we showed up at Good Cider. What was it? Good Cider? Was it Good Cider? Good Road Cider Works. That's it. Good Road Cider Works. As you know, Marty, I was raised on that side of town. That's where I grew up. There was a service merchandise over there. Wow, service merchandise. Hold on, I'm having a serious flashback to filling out little forms with a pencil and taking it to the front and having my product come down a conveyor belt. <laughs> Wasn't that up. just the best? So, <laughs> so anyway, so I said, Rebecca, I have no idea where this is. And you've been in Charlotte for a couple of months now. She goes, I know exactly where that is. And I said, that's sad, but that's okay. <laughs> she said, I'll go with you, Daddy, because I want to go over there. And I'm driving back in there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all these distilleries, these cider places back in here. This used to be like a barefoot archery store. Like I said, service merchandise, a whole bunch of other little places. And now there's nothing but cider places and all kinds of stuff. And she goes, well, dad, there's over 50 in Charlotte and a lot of them are just in this area. I'm like, how do you know this? She goes, it's just the thing to know. I'm like, oh my goodness. I did not know that. Breweries are the thing now. Craft breweries are a thing and they're, they're kind of all over the place. Well, to wrap this all up, thank you draft mechanic for hosting a lovely event. And we really do appreciate it. And that was an awesome place. Yeah, Jake and Danielle do fantastic job. If you've never checked them out, make sure to go check out the podcast Draft Mechanic, where they talk about not only board games, but draft beer. They know their stuff, Tony. They know where these breweries are. Thank goodness. So we just talked about FFG a second ago because we went to the in-flight report. One of the big reveals at that uh, event was Keyforge, a game that we're actually going to be, we've talked about and we're going to be talking about again later in this episode. The thing about Keyforge is it's using this unique game system, which is basically every deck that you get is unique. Tony, did you see the bomb that FFG dropped today saying, oh, that unique game system thing? That's not just for Keyforge. You mean the bomb that was dropped on August the 13th? No, I did not, Marty. What was it about? 
They're uh, uh, announcing a game called Discover Lands Unknown, which when you first read it, Tony, it kind of reads like a, a survival type game, somewhat like Robinson Crusoe. You play as a character. You've got to go out during the day, collect supplies, wood, food, etc. Uh, at night, you got to weather the elements, animals and stuff like that. Different characters have different roles. It's a semi-co-op. There could be some co-op stuff. There could be some competitive stuff. But the big draw is, Tony, every game that is sold is unique it's different in some way not everybody has the same exact same type of character cards not everybody has the same event cards not everybody even is in the same location some of the places are desert some are um the arctic areas uh some are in in a uh island like robinson crusoe so when you buy a box you have no clue where your adventure is going to be. You have no clue what your scenarios are, but guaranteed it will be different than somebody else's. Interesting. It, does that grab you? In a way. Does the idea of the fact that if I buy it, it could be different than the one that you have and we could trade and play and have a different experience? That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that very same thing, that mine's going to be different than yours. I'll know how to play it, but I'll have a different adventure without you know, buying an expansion. It's technically all I need is your event decks. Hey, I've got a secondary market here. Buy my event deck where I could trade it on BGG. Yes. Not, not the event deck. You got to do the whole board game. Everything could be different. The tiles, the cards, everything. Yeah, okay. This That really grabs me. Just don't make me buy another one. Well, there you go. Well, it sounds like they may have a hit on their hands. So if you want to find out more, go to the FFG site, Discover Lands Unknown. First off, where is my Superman 1000? I told you to pick this up. This was 15 episodes ago. Where is it? Did I buy you one? Because I bought a lot. I didn't know if you bought one or not. So when I was at Doc's, I picked up a Superman 1000. Now, he had a bunch of variant covers. Yep. And I, he said, oh, here's the original. It's $7.99 versus these that are $10.99. I said, sold on the $7.99. So some have gone to $10.99? Yes. Because I bought like four different versions. Well, I was looking at the one that had the white cover, and I'm like, this is boring. Why is it $10.99? There's no art on it. I didn't get that one. Okay. I got the ones that were like, uh, so you know, each one represented a different decade. There was like ones from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And it was like an homage to that particular decade. I got one for the 70s, one for the 80s. And I actually think I got one from the 30s or 40s. Okay, that's a, that's, that's a money grab. I got the original, the 30s, where he's standing there doing the Superman pose. I know which one are you talking about? Y'all, I'm going to something else. I was hoping I'd get a chuckle out of you for Superman pose, but it didn't happen. But well, a good friend of ours will know what I'm referencing. So anyway, that's a little hidden message for somebody. Never use inside jokes. I know you're not supposed to, but I had to on this one. So I asked him, I said... A good friend of mine gave me a Spider-Man 300 that's got a McFarlane's signature into it. He says, oh, that is so cool. And I go, I was thinking about having it graded. And he says, don't. Unless you got a picture of McFarlane signing that, it's a bad mark on that comic. He says, just enjoy it. I said, okay, Doc, appreciate the advice. Doc's going to be seeing me a lot. This is not good. Oh, that stinks. That makes me upset. Now I wish we hadn't bought one with the autograph on it. That's all right. He said, enjoy it while you can. I said, I will. So, Tony, you mentioned earlier about going to Target to get Villainous, which we're actually getting ready to cover in our next segment. And I guess you know, I don't know if we said it or not, that Villainous is exclusive with Target, correct? The only place you can get it. That is correct. You can only buy it at Target. Yeah. So, get this. Did you see where Target now is going to have 
five exclusive games in their store. Yeah, I saw that. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it is because you know with with Toys R Us gone, Walmart doesn't carry a lot of hobby style games. So I guess Target sees there's there's a market here. I mean, Target for several years has had things like Pandemic and some of the uh, Ticket to Ride and stuff, haven't they oh, on yeah. their shelves? And then Code Names, Code Names, uh, uh, the late night Code Names that was specific to Target. Chameleon we've covered all that was at Target. Yeah, they had that. So I find this very interesting that they would even dip their little toe in this realm. Well, again, it must be worth something because to get exclusive rights. I mean, you've played one already. You played a ticket to ride New York. That's Mm -hmm. a Target exclusive. Right. We saw Ryan Lockett at Gen Con from Red Raven Games. Megaland is a Target exclusive. Yes. And my uh, Red Raven t-shirt fits very well. Thank you, Ryan. (laughs) And this is also cool, too. Remember we got that breakfast cereal game? Yes. uh, That I still haven't seen. Mm-hmm. That's all you with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they have games coming out that are Target exclusives. Brady Bunch, Bob Ross, Home Alone, and the Breakfast Cereal games. Okay. To get a Ryan a Red Raven game exclusively for Target to get an exclusive ticket to ride, that's a pretty big deal. So uh, if you're looking for some exclusive hobby games, you can now go to your Target and pick up some actually some decent games. Well, you always could. Ticket to Ride, Pandemic were decent games. But I understand your point that it's amazing that they are able to do that in this marketplace. You no longer have to go to the board game store. Well, you could also do it at uh, Barnes & Noble, but now it's Target. Target's much easier to get into. Yeah, but Barnes & Noble didn't have exclusive stuff necessarily. True. Target does. And in fact, let's go ahead and talk about one right now, Villainous. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. There were a lot of hot games at Gen Con, but one out of nowhere, Villainous. This is a wonderful game designed by Prospero Hall. So when I got back from Gen Con, I pulled the trigger. I had to buy it because I had heard so much. It was on sale, and Marty and I sat down to play it. And one of the things that stuck out to me about this game was how you win. There are six villains in this game. You pick one, and each villain has a different way to win. Now, Marty, how did that strike you? Did you like that? Well, remember, I like anything with asymmetric play, True. right? I mean, that's one thing I like about Gaia Project, Terra Mystica. It's one thing I loved about uh, Netrunner. When people are doing different things on their turn, and the next time I play a game, I could be kind of be playing a totally different game, then it's going to appeal to me. And I was wondering, ah, okay, how different are the villain activities or goals be? But they're actually pretty different. Yeah, their, their winning conditions are really different. I mean, it's the turn is real simple. You move your villain on his own player board. You do the actions that you land on, and there there could be four, there could be two, depending on if you're being messed with by other players with the fate deck, which we'll talk about. And then you build your hand back up to four. That's it. That's all there is to this game. But actually, when I first started thinking, how much depth is there? There's some strategy in here, especially on your turn of being able to manipulate your board. For me, I was like, I've played it a couple of times, and I'm like, okay, there's more to this than I first thought, and I really enjoyed it. Now, I will say this, though, about this game. Even though the villain win conditions are different, one thing that we did notice in all the decks was the fact that all the cards were very similar in their text, in their effects. If you remember that. Yeah, yeah, there was. It seems like there. Everybody seemed to have a card. Just like if somebody else like kills a, a hero with four, with the strength four or more, you get something, right? right? Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of has something like that in, in their deck. And um, you, you're right in saying that there was a little more strategy than what I thought, because as you said, there's there's what four slots on the board, and you have to move your character pawn to a different slot. 
mm-hmm. and each slot has a different combinations of actions. And depending on what you need to do, you need to find the, the slot that has the right action. Maybe you want to gain credits. Maybe you want to uh, use some of your villains that you've put into play or your allies. your allies that you put into a play to attack heroes that are trying to trying to thwart you. Or maybe you want to activate some of the abilities on the cards that you already have in play. Maybe you need to move uh, a hero or a character on, on the board of one of your allies on the board around. It just depends on what you need to do, which will decide how you're going to uh, act each turn. Now, I talked about the fate deck a little bit. The fate deck is specific to you. When you say, I'm going to play the fate action, I can pick someone and I can take two cards off their deck and decide which one I want to give them. And what that will do is it could possibly block those actions that the person can take at the top of their board. And that's why a person will need to vanquish a hero because if he doesn't, he loses those actions. And let me tell you, some of these characters, like I played Prince John the other night, Marty. And one of the things was his was win with 20 power. He has a card that says, Hey, for every hero, you get one power. So if you play a bunch of heroes on me, oh man, you're going to help me make my winning condition. So when to play that fade in onto who is crucial in this game. But at least I like to think that you can't gang up. Once you've picked somebody to play a fate on, they can't be played on again unless somebody else has done it. So you can't like pick on one person. If I've played a fate on you, the next person can't do it on you again. They must pick somebody else. And there's a little token that you pass around uh, to indicate that. But Tony, I was really surprised how different each of the villains are. So for example, I played Queen of Hearts and they're very thematic. So with the Queen of Hearts, she wants to play croquet and you could put guards into play as your allies and as a uh, you can activate those guards to turn them into wickets and i have to have a wicket in each of my slot and then dig through my deck to find a card that says take a shot and when i do i try to make sure that the strength of all my wickets are going to be higher than five cards that i draw off the top of my deck and if i do i win but that's very different than say somebody else's like maleficent how you said it maleficent maleficent malice of uh, what's her name snow white her rating condition was totally different than that. And that's that's to me what stuck out as about this game is, is really unique and cool. But there was a downside, Tony. And, and there was. And the fate token only applies in the five and six player. But And that's the downside, isn't it? Five and six gets a little long. A little, little too much staying power. I never want to play with five or six players again. The downtime is really tough because when you're not playing, you're just watching everybody else. You can kind of plan out your turn and just sit there and wait for everybody else to take theirs. I think, Tony... Three to four players is probably the perfect spot for this game. And I would agree with you because that's what we played the other night with Donna and Rebecca. We were sitting there. Donna um, was Captain Hook and she was and Rebecca was Jafar. But I will say this, Marty. This game is ripe for expansions. It's going to stay on my shelf. I can't wait to see what they do with it. And for me, while I think it was a very cool game, I'm not sure that I would get it to the table a lot. I don't think it needs to be on my shelf, but it's one of those I would definitely play anytime somebody brought it on the table. That's Villainous from Wonder Forge Games. Five minute initiative is complete. All those great games you've been hearing about coming out from Gen Con are now starting to show up at miniaturemarket.com at incredible prices. For example, if you want Detective from Portal, 
only 35 bucks, people. And you could take advantage of this feature that Tony shared with us in 150, where you can place orders, pay for them, but not have them shipped until you exceed like maybe $99 and get free shipping. Tony, I found out a coworker of mine this week has done that. He's placed like $60, $70 worth of orders, paid for it, but it's just shit sitting there until he adds another 30, 40 bucks later on so he can get the free shipping. So if you're willing to do that, you can uh, take advantage of paying for something now, and then when something comes out later, add it to the existing order and have it shipped to you for free, and all that's available to you at miniaturemarket.com. You are such an enabler. Every once in a while, Tony, you you suggest a topic that we want to do that I just get excited and can't wait to talk about, and you did that. Lawnmowers. No. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was pretty excited to talk about that. But when it came into the gaming space, oh, okay. when you suggested that we talk about Keyforge versus Age of Sigmar champions, I was like, oh, yeah. Let's I'm talk. rubbing my hands together. Let's go. Let's compare these two distinctly different games, not only in gameplay, but in the business model themselves. And Tony, to me, they both have some positives and they both have some negatives. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was just interested because it's like we, we keep, like your mower, your old mower. We try to play a game and it, it, it starts out okay. And then suddenly there's like a puff of white smoke. And it's like, ah. The most recent puff of white smoke was Star Wars Destiny. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh. yeah, we busted a block on that one. Yeah, we did. But I'm like, even with one of these that we're going to talk about here, it's just like, I'm not feeling it. It's there's something she's, she's it's the engine. She's just not sounding good right now. So, but I agree with you. There's some positives and negatives on both. Let's start off because people know what we love. I mean, my God, we bought two boosters of it already. Yeah, we did. But uh, the, what do you mean by that? He means age of Sigmar uh, uh, champion. So let's just, since you talk about boosters, let's just talk about one of the business models that you and I've been involved in for almost 18 years, the collectible card game, which is what age of Sigmar is. And if you listen to our show in the past, Tony and I have said, that's it. I'm done with CCGs. Tony, when the LCGs came out, we were pretty mal, pretty much swore off CCGs for quite a long time because we thought, you know what? We'll spend less money with the LCG. And we've been pretty faithful to that, yes, to be we honest. We, we have been very faithful. And I thought, I thought there wasn't going to be any other game that was going to bring me in to the TCG-CCG model again. And I can stop an LCG at any time or they can stop it for me like they did recently for people playing Netrunner. And it's not like every LCG pulled us in, right? I mean, I got a starter box of L5R, tried it, thought it was okay. You didn't even try it, but it didn't really grab either one of us. And and maybe, oh, and with uh, with Netrunner going away, Ashes seems to be kind of, you know, fading out and stuff, which you... You got kind of into in the beginning, but not heavily. So we really haven't had a standard card game for us to really get into. I've been trying to do Arkham Horror LCG, but one of the problems with games of that ilk, Tony, is when we're going to get together and play, and we're actually going to get to the one of the reasons why champions caught our eye, because it's actually going to be easier to get together and play or not get together and play. Exactly. I just have to be online at the same time. And Lord knows that can easily be at lunch. Even when we have our lunches, we can sit there and with our phones out and play 
and not talk to each other and just play on the phone. There you go. We don't even have to bring our cards. Yeah, but so we haven't mentioned it, but if you listen to our previous episodes, you know, the Age of Sigmar basically has an, an app that goes along with it, a partner app. And when you get the cards, uh, you can scan them in. And I must say, Tony, have you done any scanning yet? Oh, yeah. I will, we, were, we talked about that on Gen Con. It was so easy to scan. Just whoop. Done. Yeah. So uh, when I got home, I wanted to scan in the rest of my starter decks. I basically put like two rows of 10 and just took my phone and turned it like landscape and just started sliding it, you know, going over the top of the cards. It would just pick up each one as I went and sucked it right in. No problem whatsoever. Takes no time to scan in cards, which is not, I'm not, I'm not fretting too much about these booster boxes that we got to go through uh, because scanning in cards is easy. And then once you have a library in your app, then you're able to play the game. Now, the app right now is in, uh, the released app is only for scanning in, but there's a beta version that I just got today, Tony. Ooh. They sent us keys. They they sent me the key for your Android, so we need to get that fixed, but that, I got an iOS key to play on my phone, and they have an AI mode. Just came out. So I was playing today against the AI, and I must say, Tony, the user interface is pretty darn intuitive. You play portrait-wise or long-wise, uh, and what happens is there's there's four lanes on each side, and you deploy your cards, and that's that's how the board's laid out. So you don't play landscape. I understand portrait and landscape. Thank you for explaining. I do. Portrait is way uh, straight up and down. Landscape is long ways, like side to side. I, I know where the portrait. S- yeah, it's up and landscape. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I know where that is on Microsoft Got Word. It. How to print portrait and landscape. I'm I'm with you. I'm good. It's portrait. It's portrait. That's what I'm saying. Which is uh, unusual anyway, because most pretty, games was, are landscape. <laughs> So I can understand you. <laughs> but not this one. But not this but one. Not this, one. <laughs> this one's actually portrait. Oh my god. But it actually makes sense because of the lanes and how you put your cards into play. Oh. So it's pretty you got your your cards your cards at the bottom, you pick which one you want to play and you put it into play. So it's very straightforward. The AI the AI beat me. I didn't do so well. The the big thing is and they're in beta and I've already responded with two feedback comments. For those of us with older eyes who actually had on reading glasses, I still had trouble reading the font on the cards because when I select the card to read it, it doesn't blow up to the whole screen, Tony. Ooh. It only blows up to like a third. And on some of the cards on Age of Sigmar Champions, you know how some of them have a black background with white letters? Mm-hmm. I, you can almost forget reading it. I mean, I, I was really struggling to say, is that rend? Is that remove? You know, I was I was struggling to see what that card actually said. So I hope that they make the card bigger because when you're using the um, the app to look at the individual cards in the library, the card blows up to the full screen. So that was my only knock on it. But back to the beautiful thing about this is when it's in full release, Tony, you and I can actually play online, which was which was a selling point to us. That to me is one of the selling points. The the other item that. Okay, so how do you want to do this? You want to go? Do you want to do this count point and counterpoint? Like uh, first thing is, is that this is a CCG uh, with an app that allows you to play online. Now, counter to that is probably the most unique thing about KeyForge is what is that every deck is different. There's no deck building. Uh, yeah, I mean that is your big compare and contrast. One typical standard collectible card game. You can put as much money into as you want. Build whatever deck you want. The appeal of Keyforge, well, it could be, depends on how you are as a player, right? This could be appeal to you or turn you off. Do you like to build your own decks? Keyforge may be a slight turnoff. Do you not want to have to deal with building decks and just just give me a deck and play? Then Keyforge is right up your alley. Yes, Keyforge is right there. I mean, you can easily go into any shop, 
pick up a bunch of decks for $40. You get four decks, take them home and you can sit there and play all till your heart's content. If that's what you want to do, you don't have to fiddle with them. And when you're done with them, Hey, they're excellent fuel for starting a fire. <laughs> Oh, They're paper. I'm not saying go out and buy. Well, that could be any card game. Exactly. I'm not saying go out and buy cards and 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 burn them, but but there is a, an an appeal to that. There is an appeal of you know. Let's say there is an organized play event, which I've talked about. It's going to be coming out to where. Uh, hey, let's go to Carolina Tabletop Games. Marty and Mark and Nate and Tony, they're all going to be there. Everybody chip in 10 bucks. Everybody gets to pull a deck, open it there, and play a little tournament. That sounds like fun. There's there's no uh, setup for that. There's not having to, you know, what am I going to need to build? There's no net decking. And, and by net decking, I mean there's not going on the internet and seeing what the best decks are and seeing how to build my deck. So you, you remove all that. You just go in and just play a game. Yeah, I agree. So that, 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 that's, a, that's a positive. That's actually... That and I think that's a big positive because you don't have to stress about it. I remember going in with our Netrunner decks, even with an LCG, and, and somebody may find that one thing that, that was like how to scorch earth you or something like that. Here in Keyforge, you can't really prepare. You don't know what you're getting. You're going, I can just see us sitting down there, opening our decks, going through the cards, see what, we, what we've got so we know what strategy we need to run if you have time. I mean, that could be part of the organization. Hey, everybody is on the same playing field here. You don't know what you got. And then next round, everybody swap your deck to the person on your left. They get to play. Oh my gosh. Ashley, that would be a cool idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought about that. That's what I'm here for. That's a great idea. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like, yeah. So you just killed me with that. Your deck. Guess what? You're passing it to the left now and taking the one from your right. Yeah. That'd be, a, I don't know if that's going to be a format, but that's a great idea. Well, I mean, it could be. You just turn in whoever finished lost and whoever won those, all those decks swap. And then you play again and see what happens. Uh, you know, who knows what it's going to be. That's a good idea. But here's the thing. You, you know, some people will say, I'm not thrilled about that. I would rather build my own deck which you could do with Age of Sigmar Champions and personalize it. I heard something the other day that said, lots of times games uh, appeal to people when they're personalized to you. So you have a personal investment when you build that Netrunner deck or Ashes deck or now Champions deck. Uh, you know, if you don't net deck it and you spend time on your own trying to come up with the combos and everything, there is a satisfaction of going in with this deck and doing things with it and making things synergize that you will not get with Keyforge. So if that's an appeal to you, the Keyforge may be a letdown. Now, for me, though, there is one big letdown when it comes to Age of Sigmar Champion, and that is chasing the rares. Hated yes. that. Hate, yep. uh, that is, uh, I know hate's a strong word, but I do. I really do hate that secondary market of, of everybody trying to get their rares, their uniques. But once again, that will keep me out of say a tournament for age of champion Sigmar, age mm -hmm. of Sigmar champions. Thank you. If, um, if that begins to develop, like you said, the net decks. So for me, that is one of the big negatives on a CCG that I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about that with Keyforge, but man, I really have to worry about that. If I walk into a store or to a tournament and all of a sudden I'm battling someone who has, oh, I don't know, three mega size stomping orcs or something. I don't know what the rares are, but that is a concern of mine with any CCG TCG. And which is probably why you and I are probably at the point that we, with, with Lord of the Rings, you and I were like, oh, I don't want just one of every rare. 
I've got to have four very rare, right? Because it's like, because I want to be able to build. Well, I need four R ones, which at the time was a huge, expensive rare card. Got to have four of those so I can make any deck I want. Luckily, I think you and I have matured enough to the point it's like, we're not going to do that. But yes, uh, there is the temptation to do something like that. So the business models are totally different. Different types of people will see as one thing is a positive, one thing is a negative, and vice versa. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. I, I, we're not going to do that. If I go into a tournament with that and I get my trounce, as long as I get a promo card, I'm going to be happy. Depending on what type of person you are, you may see one of those as an appeal and, and the other's not. Now, obviously, because of this business model, Keyforge is way, way, way cheaper. Is it? $10 a deck? Yes. Okay. Let's say, I, do you really have to spend more than 10 bucks? No. Nope. No, you, you can just play that deck forever. And then when you get tired of it in three months, if you're still into the game, toss it. You're not out of anything. You're absolutely right. I guess in theory, you could buy an Age of Sigmar Champion starter deck for 15 and never buy another deck. You could. But it's tempting to know that, well, I don't have to keep this deck. Keyforge is not even an afterthought. It's like, it is what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. I can't change it. So uh, anything else on business model? No, nothing on business model. Mm-mm. All right, let's talk about the games themselves. Let's m- remove the business model aside. Let's say that, Tony, you have a Keyforge deck that you really love, and you have an Age of Sigmar Champions deck that you really love. Talk to me about your thoughts on gameplay between the two. All right, so for me, Age of Sigmar, the whole card-turning aspect, which we've covered before, is what's selling me on this game. I'm enjoying the aspect of rotating the cards, of getting the blessings. That whole concept and champions is what's driving me to this game. I don't know why, but it is just so neat to say, oh, he just played this spell that in three turns for him is going to do massive damage. I've got a chance to stop that. I like that. I can see it coming. I know what's coming at me. I'm all excited about that. Also, if I play my cards right and deploy my cards right, my champions will rotate, which will get me a blessing. I love the speed of this game and how quickly, hey, I just got wiped out. I've got, I've lost all my health. Hey, you want to set it up again? Sure. Let's go again and see how the cards fall. That's what is getting me with this game. And the last thing about Age of Sigmar, which is why I'm leaning this way, is the keywords. Keywords are in a, like you said, black background with white typeface, but there's not that many. Oh, thank you. And then you've actually got little reference cards that easily explain uh, what each of those two do. So you've already said bonuses that I totally love too, or or positives about it that I love. So I'm not going to reiterate those. I'm going to add in one thing also is the fact that there are four lanes in this game. The lanes are basically positional slots on the board. Uh, before you, are, are they landscape or portrait? Hey, it's funny. The play mat you play on is actually landscape. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. But in the app, it's portrait. Uh, but that's a new tactical mechanic that you got to think about. Oh, man. I have a wizard in this slot. I can't play a unit in front of it. I can only play a spell but it! this spell can affect people on the left and right of me. So I kind of want to put this here. I need to put this unit here in front of this champion to block him from doing something. So now position matters. We've already talked about this previously, but again, that's just another tactical element that I really, really like. And I'll say it again. And we talked about it in the, in the last time I talked about it, no tokens. The only thing you need in this game is a life counter. And that is it. There's kind of our positives. Tony, what's some of your positives on Keyforge gameplay wise? Okay, Keyforge. Hmm. 
So you just rambled them off on Age of Sigmar. And now it's like, hmm, maybe all the different factions can play well together. Um, okay, uh, enough funny business around this. There's, I do have a positive, and that is okay. one of the aspects of Keyforge of having to be able to call the faction in order to use those. Which is probably the most unique mechanic that I saw kind of introduced in the game right. to me. And, and there's something about that. I don't know what it is, but it's the ability that, man, uh, I need to really use the Martian guys, but I've got a lot of the fireball breathing guys. And I know that's not what they're called. But anyway, I, I, I need to get those out of my hand. So I need to call that faction so I could discard them out. There's a lot of strategy around there. Tactical, not so much, but strategy. How do I... Because I got to make a hard decision because I can only do this with that entity that I've called. And I, that I do like. And that's probably about the biggest positive for me in this game. That's me too. And so what that means is when you call one of the three factions at the beginning of your turn, it gives you the option to either discard that type of card, play that type of card from your hand, or activate that type of card that's already on the board. And that's all you can do. But Tony, I actually ran into a situation yesterday. I played, um, after you left, uh, the uh, event from Draft Mechanic, Nate and I played. I taught Nate the game. I ran into a situation to where I could not get any synergy within my faction cards whatsoever. Uh, one of the factions I had, the most of the faction I had in my hand was Actions which I really needed to play units. He was just building up units left and right. I kept having to call factions just to discard, to draw more cards into my hand. It, it just kind of snowballed upon itself. I appreciate what they've done. I kind of wish the discarding mechanic was not just the faction that you called. I wish there was an easier way to get rid of cards in hand because typically when I've played Tony, I've probably played, I've actually probably played more games of Keyforge now than Age of Sigmar Champions. Okay. Because a lot of people just been around me been wanting to learn it and play it. Um, so I've been playing these two decks a lot. Number one, one deck is way better than the other. I'll tell you that right now. And that's another thing we'll talk about in a second, but one deck is way better than the other. There's a handicap system that I kind of question too. But anyway, when I'm playing the deck that, that stinks, man, I just, I just cannot get it to work. I wish there was other ways to get cards out of my hand besides calling that faction. Because when I call a faction, it's typically because I want to play every card in my hand. Mm -hmm. It was rare that I was discarding a card of a certain faction. Uh, in order to do something. So again, that's the most unique thing. Uh, once the cards get on the table, that is kind of very magic just to me. Hey, I'm going to have this guy fight that creature. I'm going to do X amount of damage. You do X amount of damage to me. And, uh, you know, we can clear them out. I guess another unique mechanic is the winning condition, maybe. Maybe. Uh, you're trying, the whole goal is collect six ember. Each ember can convert to a key. Try to get three keys. So it's not necessarily trying to kill the other persons or take down their health points like the Age of Sigmar is. Both of them do not have this resource row, mana row, whatever you want to call it. Ah, both of them don't have that. Very good point. That's a positive to both to me. There's no managing of resources. You could play whatever you want on your turn. Age of Sigmar Champions, you could take two actions. Play whatever the heck you want. Keyforge, name whatever faction you want. Do whatever the heck you want with it. Throw it out there and go for it. That's exactly it. So, yep. so that is two positives. So I mean, if, if as we look at both of these games, I'm like, okay, so what do I enjoy the most? And why am I leaning that way? I think it is the rotation of the cards. The, just the mechanic of Age of Sigmar is, is what's winning me right now. I've played Keyforge a lot. Every time I play it with somebody, they say it's either a good or a great game. I have never had anybody say they didn't enjoy it. And I keep coming back to the, what am I missing? Like I said, if a lot of people love the business model. 
remove the business model. If I just look at the game individually by itself, okay, it, it was a decent kind of filler card game for me. At the end, I didn't say like, oh, cool, let's deal up and play again. But for some reason, Age of Sigmar, and maybe it's the depth, the strategy, maybe it just clicks with me a little more. When I'm done, I say, uh, yeah, we're playing again. No, I understand. But I guess what for me, one of the biggest negatives for Keyforge for me is well, something that's a big positive for Age of Sigmar. I talked about the turning, but it's the keywords. When we were playing Keyforge at the airport, you're going through the manual on the phone saying, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? I know you're eventually going to learn them. But when I have three pages of keywords that aren't highlighted, how, well, what does this statement mean? What does this mean? What does stun mean? You're having to go back and learn all that with Age of Sigmar. I've got a little sheet here, and actually the words are pretty straightforward. To be fair, though, and, and just totally being transparent and fair, the rules are online, right? We didn't have a physical copy. Um, so w when the game comes out, they may have reference cards True. for all that, right? True. So that may take care of that problem. But I, I see totally what you're saying because there's a, there's a decent amount of keywords on Age of Sigmar 2. It was just easier to find out what they meant. More so because we didn't have the rules readily in front of us for Keyforge. Okay. And you also need tokens in Keyforge. You need damage tokens. You need keys. You need um, ember. Or a notebook where you mark ticks. The core box of Keyforge for $40 will give you all the tokens that you need. Uh, in theory, you really don't need to even buy that, right? No. Use some glass beads like we used to use the Lord of the Rings pay $10 and you've got all you need you in theory. You're, you're good in the key forge. You can make your own. Most people probably find some way and do that. So yeah, I mean, I, okay, fine. The keywords, I understand what you're saying, but I've been down that road. I think back even to our Lord of the Rings TCG days when they were, all these terms kept building and building and building and where that eventually got to, you know, that just got old to me. And maybe that's where I'm at. Well, I, again, I don't know that... Keyforge, I don't know that had more keywords than that. Reap, fight, stun. I can think of wind on Age of Sigmar, wind, remove, uh, rotate, uh, forward. Again, I think it was just because they're easy to see what the definitions okay. were. Okay, uh, fine, fine. I'll, I'll step back. I'll step back. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying to me. I, but you're you're right. I, we did learn the game wrong with, uh, first at Keyforge on how we how you did reap because uh, we didn't fully catch that everybody could read, but but we got got beyond that. So last thing, longevity. Uh, what do you think about longevity between Keyforge and Age of Sigmar Champions? Longevity, it's easy to see. They re keep releasing new booster packs, right? New sets. Keyforge, I would assume it's new factions, maybe? Could be. Could be new factions, but they can generate a quadrillion decks, so they really don't need to. Oh, that's to. true. They don't really need to. But here, but there's your longevity there. That's where there's a plus on Keyforge, where Age of Sigmar, which we have seen, whenever you uh, the initial base comes out and you start putting expansions in it, you're going to start having to mess up other cards and you're going to have to hit them with the old, what, what kind of hammer was it? Well, it was called the, the band, Nerf gun, Nerf, Nerf, yeah. Nerf bat. Yeah. Uh, oh, but I actually saw something else too, is you can get behind. So say two years from now, you say, I want to play Age of Sigmar Champions. Well, now you've got the same problem you have with CCGs and LCGs. Yep. Do you buy everything? How do you catch up? How do you make a competitive deck? It almost feels like with CCGs and LCGs, you got to be in with day one. That is the benefit to Keyforge. You don't have to. Yeah. A year from now, you could have never played, buy a deck, and you're as good as anybody else. You know, if we keep talking, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> I know. The more we're talking through this, we're going, hmm, 
Key Forge isn't that bad. Again, that's why I was just trying to look at the game by itself. If I strip away all the business model stuff and you just give me a deck of one and a deck of the other, I enjoy the game of champions better. But I can't see where the benefits of Key Forge are. So it sounds like to me, Tony, for, for those who are listening, I guess it just depends on what kind of player you are. Yeah. Probably one of these is going to appeal to you more than the other. Yeah. And for those of you still listening past the lawnmower segment, thanks for hanging in there. We appreciate that. <laughs> see, we eventually got to board games. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is $15 starter deck for Age of Sigmar Champions, $10 uh, starter deck for Key Forge. You can try them both out and see which one you like. Soon the app will be out for Age of Sigmar if you just want to download the app. I bet the app will probably have probably a starter game in it so that you can just try the game against AI to see if, see if you like it or not. So there you go. Age of Sigmar Champions is out right now. Key Forge will be coming out soon. There, are, If you know somebody that has... Uh, one of the decks they got from Gen Con. Go try it out. Let us know. Contact us on Instagram. Uh, contact us on, on Rival Dice Tech Names at gmail.com, on Twitter, on our uh, Facebook page, or, or our guild. Have you tried both? Which one do you like? Which one appeals to you? Before it goes out of stock, you might want to head over to miniaturemarket.com and get that portal game, Detective. It was hot. 650 plus copies gone at Gen Con. So how long will it last as your online retailers? I don't know. But be sure. This is the portal ad, people. Pay attention. This isn't Miniature Market, but I'm just telling you, this is where you can get that incredible game by Portal Games by Ignacy himself called Detective. If you want more information on this game, this incredible game, Detective by Ignacy, go to portalgames.pl slash EEN, and his page is Portrait Not Landscape. I didn't know you were going to get all giddy about this Age of Sigmar key for I was giddy. I can talk about card games forever, man. You know that. I'll tell you what. You should have cut off that whole lawnmower segment. Just We should have just done that. You know? <laughs> No sense in it. <laughs> we should, you, you say only do the lawnmower segment? We could have done that. That's like a 15-minute show. That's, exactly, that's what really people needed to hear. But I know that we've got a couple big episodes coming up. Uh, football season's on us. We, we're looking at games about football. Oh, yeah. We kind of teased it. We kind of teased it in our Gen Con episode. And guess what showed up at the house today, Tony? It wouldn't be a electric football set, would it? It would be an electric football set. Are the boys already playing it? We're playing. As soon as I uh, uh, get off the recording, we're going to go set up and give this thing a shot. All right. Well, know the rules. Email me any uh, electronic rules that there may be or tell me where to go find them and I'll start reading them. With that, I don't want to hold you up, man. How about you just keep rolling dice? And taking names. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on all the social medias at Dyson Names on Twitter, Dyson Names on Instagram, like us on Facebook, join our BGG Guild 1589, and if you want to support the show, you can do so at podpledge.com slash RDTN. And now it's time for Sounds of Our Youth. <laughs> I'm so happy. The 
thebrokentoken.com. You got that haul coming in from Gen Con, or maybe you've purchased 95 games from Target exclusively. Either way, The Broken Token has you covered for any inserts to help you make that game setup so much easier. Or you want to protect that big costly investment of Blood Rage or Rising Sun, or even a pandemic before that big 10th anniversary edition comes out. They've got that organizer for you. Be sure to check it out at thebrokentoken.com. 